Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. At the risk of sounding like a diva, I made Mitch run out and get me the other pulpit because I did not make my notes big enough to preach from a table. Normally, this is actually a fun fact, normally I preach um, with my notes um, in Comic Sans, <laughs> just because it makes me laugh while I'm preaching. <laughs> And it's good to laugh. I'm wearing my party pants today because we're going to have a party. I kind of feel like a little bit like a funky clown in them, but um, it's good. Who's enjoying 2019 so far? Yeah, yeah we're six days in. I actually love, I love the buzz of a new year. Eh? Everyone's just walking around. They've got, they're, new, they're driven. They've got new goals. They're like carrying around a cup full of optimism. Um, and it's like, it's like, it's like a slow trudge to get through Christmas. And then there's that week in between where you actually just have no idea what day it is and how much you've eaten way too much food and you're just kind of in a coma for about a week. And then all of a sudden, midnight hits and everything changes. It's like the old is gone, the new has come, and we're ready to go. Um, you might not be feeling like that today. You might be a little bit of a New Year's Grinch. Um, and if you are, I'd love to pray for you after. Um, but we believe that this year actually could be your best year yet. Um, we believe that God is an optimistic God over your life. Um, and I think that, as Jared said, ab- like above any resolution or goal that you could um, set for yourself this year, the one thing that you could do that would actually cause you to have wins in every area of your life would be just to hang out with Jesus. Just hang out with Jesus. Because he, like, when, when you get around Jesus, he actually makes you better. Um, Hebrews 10 verse 14 says this, for by one sacrifice, that's Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is Finished Work in Progress. It's this awesome, awesome paradox. And I love the Bible. It's full of cool paradoxes and I'm a real thinker. And so I like to just sit and think. Um, And so most of this message is actually just all my random thoughts um, just thrown out and you guys can think about them too. (laughs) Finished work in project, uh, in progress, project. Woo, that's good. John 19 verse 24 says, Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. That's a random verse, eh? Let me pray, and then I'll connect some dots. Um, God, we just thank you. We thank you so much for your word. We love you, God. We love your word. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come together. We're so grateful for all the elements and the components and the volunteers that come together, God, so that we can that we can encounter you, that we can hear from your word. And we pray, God, that as we look at your word today, that you would you would change us, you would sculpt us, and you'd make us better. Amen. Awesome. I have a question about, um, I'm not connecting the dots just yet. I'm just going to confuse you a little bit more, and then we'll connect the dots. But I have a question for you about marriage, okay? It's a deep question, and I was thinking about it a lot yesterday, and it actually hurt my brain a little bit. This is it. Is a couple ever more married than they are on their wedding day? Is a couple ever more married than they are on their wedding day? And there's two sides to the coin here. I think on one hand, yes. Like if I look at, Mitch and I have been married for nearly four years. I'm a completely different person. I was 18 when I got married. I thought I knew a lot. Turns out I didn't know a lot. Um, but I'm a totally different person now, only four years on from that day than I was um, in 2015, and and I know myself better, and I know Mitch better, and if I look at, like, a, a couple that has been married for 50 years, 
uh, compared to newlyweds, there's a huge difference, right? Everyone can agree there's a huge difference. Um, you know, a, a couple that's been married for 50 years, they've, they've fought battles together, they've won some, they've lost some. They can finish each other's sentences. They probably can guess what each other's going to order at the restaurant. They've probably got a re- like a regular. Um, they start to look the same. Has anyone noticed that? <laughs> but surely 50 years on from, from their wedding day, they are more married than they were. But on the other side of the coin, how can that be? Because the marriage certificate is still the same. The, the document hasn't matured. The, the paper might have aged a little bit unless you're like me and keep it in a plastic sleeve. This is actually a funny story. I'm just going to pause this. Mitch and I weren't actually officially married on our wedding day because my uncle, um, who was the officiant, forgot to sign the papers. <laughs> and then he moved over to Arnhem Land in the WAPS and took the paper with him and forgot to sign it. And so it was a couple of months and it was actually like a few years before I could get my name changed on everything. So I don't actually know when we were legally married, um, but we are now, so that's good. <laughs> But the paper, the paper might have aged, but the legal ramifications of that paper is still the same from their wedding day onwards. But the relationship has matured. They've grown together. And relationally, like, they've grown even though they're no more united than they were on their wedding day. It's an interesting question, eh? And you guys probably have smarter answers than I do, but it was rhetorical, so don't tell, them. tell me, please. When I was a teenager, um, we used to pack in and out of venues for youth in Christchurch. We would go around different halls and schools, um, and every Friday night we'd pack in all the gear, so all the sound gear, all the instruments, the projector, everything. We'd pack in, set up the chairs, set up stage decks, and then at the end of the night we'd pack out. And it was a huge job. It was a fun job, but it was a huge job. And at the end of the night, after we were all packed out, we'd have packed down pizza. Um, And so our pastors would shout us um, pizza, and it was always Domino's. Um, because is there a greater flavour than Mr. Wedge? I don't think so. Um, unless Mitch is making it. But we'd have what would happen is we'd finish youth and then all the people that were staying to pack down would gather and we'd pray. And you'd see people come to the prayer meeting and they'd be like, yeah, youth was so good. And we'd have a debrief and be like, yeah, praise God, man, that was such a powerful night. And then they'd disappear. And you'd think that they've gone home. And then the pizza shows up and all of a sudden those people show up again. And it's like they've done nothing to pack down and they show up to enjoy the fruits of our labour. Um, and it frustrated me, man. It frustrated me. But isn't that kind of like our faith? We actually haven't done anything to earn a Mr. Wedge salvation. We haven't done anything to earn God's merit or favour. He just gives it to us. And we talked about Jesus getting stabbed and outflowed the blood and the water. And it's actually quite a symbolic um, verse because the blood represents Christ's work for us. Without him shedding the blood on the cross, there would actually be no forgiveness for our sins. That work is done. But if, if the blood is Christ's work for us, then the water actually represents Christ's work in us. He isn't working to save us because he's, that's already been done. He accomplished that. But he is working to change us, to grow us. The picture of water is a picture of Christ working in us. Because when you get around Jesus, he makes your life better. When you get around Jesus, he lifts you. He lifts your character. He, he improves you. And just like marriage, it is done, but it is also being done. It is a finished work in progress. You can never be more saved than the day of your salvation. 
That's true. You can never be more saved. Once you've made that decision, signed, sealed, delivered, you're saved. And for some of you, that, that day might actually be today, and that's, a, that's an exciting day. You can never be more saved than the day of your salvation, but you can grow in your salvation every single day. There's a theologian, Donald G. Bloch, and he says, Yet, though the work of Christ is finished for the sinner, it is not yet finished in the sinner. The blood is God's sacrifice for us, but the water is God's spirit at work in us. And I want to tell you today that we actually need both. We need both the blood and the water because you can have the blood and no water and you're saved but not changed. And you can have the water and no blood and you're busy for Christ, but you're not at peace with Christ. You can have the blood and no water and you're saved but not changed. That means that we can actually abuse his grace sometimes. Oh, that's an uncomfortable thing to think about, eh? We can abuse his grace. We can be like, yeah, I'm saved. It's sweet. It's all good. God's got my back. It's awesome. I've got my golden ticket. Woohoo, don't have to do anything. But actually that grace, when we adopt that mentality, that grace, we don't let that grace affect us on our day-to-day life. We don't let it change us or grow us or, or, or make us more like him. And on the other hand, if you have the water and no blood, it's like, yeah, God's working to change me, but I'm not 100% convinced that I'm saved. I'm not 100% convinced that that I'm actually good enough for God. And so I'm I'm continuing to work on myself. I'm continuing to work with God, trying to to earn His approval, trying trying to please Him, trying to earn my salvation. We can either abuse His grace or we can forget His grace. We can either have a Willy Wonka view of God handing out miracles and golden tickets and woohoo, everything's awesome. Or we can see God as a hard taskmaster dishing out, you know, tasks and rules and requirements that we have to live up to. And it's so easy in life to slip into one of these camps, but we need to have both the blood and the water. We need to have the balance of being a finished work in progress. Here's another random question for you. Have you ever thought about the Tuatara? You're thinking about it now. Hands up, real, real talk though, hands up, before right now, who actually thought about the Tuatara this week? I did. And some of you will be like, do you know what, Larissa, I don't even know what a Tuatara does. Well, let me tell you. A Tuatara is a very underrated animal, but it's kind of like a sloth for rocks. So it's like a little lizard, native to New Zealand, I think. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, it is, eh? Alright, cool. <laughs> and, and what it does is it gets up in the morning and it finds a hot rock and it goes and sits on that rock and it basks in the sun all day. It does nothing else. Just finds that rock, mm, so good, stays there, does nothing else. And I think about animals like that, you know, like cats, sloths, um, tuataras, and they really frustrate me because <laughs> they're not doing anything with their lives. Like, I come home, and how good would it be if you came home and your cat had done the dishes and cooked a meal? And... <laughs> but I come home, and Arlo's like stretched out on the bed, and he's like, hey. <laughs> they're not achieving anything with their time, but there also has to be something about that picture that we kind of enjoy because they're not striving. They don't, they're not trying to figure it out. They're not, um, they're not, they're not busy trying to, trying to make their way in the world. Like a tuatara wakes up and he just kind of sits on the rock and he's like, 
man, how good is the sun? And the rock's like, yeah, it's so good. And they just do that every single day. And sometimes we wake up and we're like, got to get busy, you know. Where are my jobs? Here's my list of jobs. Got to do all my jobs. Got to tick off all my jobs before I go to sleep. Got to be a good person. Got to do God's, God's work. I've got to, got to share Christ with someone today. And God's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. Just lean back a little bit. Just chill, just chill out. Like, just bask in what the sun has done for you. But at the same time, there's a lot of sides to this coin today. It's like that, the scattergrees dice. <laughs> at the same time, if we are just that sloth, if we are just that cat, or we, we are just that tuatara, then we actually make no difference on the world around us. We, we soak up his presence, but we're not doing anything with it. The gospel message is a selfless message. It's a message that exists for others. But there also needs to be this balance, because if we're not convinced that we are saved by grace... And, and, and that our works count more than our grace, And what kind of message are we sharing? We're sharing like a gym membership, you know? The work you put in is the work you'll get out. So there has to be this balance of both. You can have the blood and not the water, and you can be saved and not changed. Or you can have the water and no blood, and you can be busy for Christ, but not be at peace with Christ. So if there's one thought I want to put out there to start off your year... It's very simple, and, and this is it. And if you're taking notes, write this down really big in capital letters. Try to imitate Comic Sans if you can. That's a great font. <laughs> this is the thought. Don't forget that knowing Jesus makes you better. Don't forget that knowing Jesus makes you better. I don't know a lot about osmosis, um, like the scientific phenomenon of this water transferring through. So I don't know. I sucked at science and probably will always suck at science. But I do know that we use that term in terms of relationships as well. And, and what happens is when you hang out with people, there's a transfer that takes place when you spend time with them. Like, I don't think she's here, but um, India is one of our, our youth leaders, and she's awesome. India is like one of the, yeah, you think she's awesome too. She's like one of the most humble and hardworking people that I know. And when I hang out with India, I leave feeling a little bit more humble and a little bit more grateful and a little bit more um, patient and a little bit more genuine. Like, she makes me better. I leave better. When I hang out with someone like um, Joe Clifford, I feel a little bit more inquisitive. Has anyone, like, noticed that Joe asks really good questions? Like, he thinks about things deeply. And when I hang out with Joe Clifford, I actually leave that place feeling better. When I hang out with, um, with Kelsey, I feel a little bit more grateful for what I have. When I hang out with Pastor Glenn, I, my heart extend, expands for people. When I hang out with Michaela, I feel more in love with Jesus than I was beforehand. And if you're around people and the discussions that you're having are such that when you leave, you're not better, I would question either the topic of conversation or the people that you're having it with. Because you become like the people you walk with. And when you get around Jesus, he makes you better. You become more like him. You become more patient, more open, more authentic, more kind. And so a question for me when it comes to faith is if I think I've been hanging out with Jesus and I leave and I'm not more patient, I'm not more humble, I'm not walking slower, I'm not um, loving people more, then I start to question whether I was actually hanging out with Jesus or whether I was just going through the motions and ticking off some to-do list. If I come to church or if I've been out praying and I leave feeling anxious or stressed or more worn out, then I think, nah, Jesus isn't anxious. 
Jesus isn't stressed and he's not worn out. So I actually am going to continue to seek him and I'm going to make sure that I find him and I'm going to lean into his presence and I'm going to get around him more. Don't forget that knowing Jesus makes you better. Can I get um, Mitch, you want to come up and jump on the keys? One thing that I've noticed that when you're around Jesus, he doesn't always give you what you want, which is frustrating um, because I really want a Land Rover Defender and I got a Nissan Wing Road instead. But it's a beautiful car. Thank you, Sam. Um, but Jesus doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. There's a story in Exodus about um, the Israelites in there in the wilderness and the water is too bitter for them to drink. They can't drink any water and it's hot. Like, And so Moses is like, this is an issue. I'll go talk to Jesus. I'll go talk to God. And, um, and Moses by this point has talked to God through fire. He's split the Red Sea. Like he's seen the intensity of the plagues on Egypt. Like he's like, all right, God, come on, come through. What's, what are we going to do this time? Like, what's the big thing? How are we going to, how are we going to fix this water stitch? Like there's no lemon and limes to make this sweet. Like you've got to do it. And so um, he gets, he goes to God and God's like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. Are you listening? And Moses is like, yeah, 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 here we go. See that bit of wood over there? Just roll that into the water and then it's going to be good to drink. And Moses is like, yep, we could do that. Or we could do like, you know, something amazing. <laughs> and sometimes I think we, we pray for breakthrough and we pray for new opportunities and we pray for these big things. We pray for the miracles. And God's like, yeah, those things are awesome. I love your faith. Um, keep praying for those things. But would you just give me 15 minutes? Just 15 minutes each day. And you're like, God, that sounds like, like a little bit of like, you know, rolling a stick into some water. That doesn't sound super exciting, God. But God says, just carve out a little bit of time. Hang out with me. Because when you get around me, you're better. There's this verse in, um, I don't know what book it is, but God says it to Abraham. I'm doing this thing, well, I started doing this thing and I haven't kept up with it. It's called a 30-day shred and you try to read the Bible in 30 days. It's really hard. Um, hence why I'm not winning. But I read this verse and I forgot to take note. Um, but God says to Abraham, I am your very great reward. I am your very great reward. Have you ever tried saying that at a kid's birthday party? Like you show up to a party and you've got no present and you're like, and they, they're like, where's my present? And you're like, it's me. <laughs> I am your very great reward. It doesn't fly too well, eh? <laughs> but I'm not God. And when the God of the universe, who literally could give us anything, Land Rover Defender, amen, um, when he could give us anything and he chooses to give us himself and says that that is the greatest reward he can give us, and actually I believe that. What an incredible gift that is. There is nothing better than a moment in God's presence. And I want to tell you something today. that The Bible says that you are God's special possession. You are his special possession. I have a one-year-old son, Oakley, um, and he goes through phases of having special possessions, right? Um, and sometimes they're random. Like my mum's got this little rooster thing and he calls it a doodle because we say cock-a-doodle-doo and he calls that a doodle. And then I took him to my friend's farm and he saw roosters and goes, doodle. Um, and that was a cute moment. But he goes through seasons and, and there's all these random little objects that he just fixates on it. Um, for, a f for a wee while, it was this 12 year old, uh, $12 camping chair that we bought him. Cost us like literally nothing. Um, and that was his special possession. Like he would carry it everywhere. He'd sit on it like a king. He'd talk about it. Like he loved his chair. But right now, 
his very special position, and I'm praying that this is seasonal, because I hope that when he's 26, he's not carrying this around. It's like this manky old Care Bear that I had when I was a kid. And this Care Bear has survived the rat infestation of 2012, and it's got like holes and like the stuffing is coming out. But for some reason, he just loves this kebia. He looks past all that. He doesn't care about how shiny or new it is. He just loves this kebia and he talks about it and he carries it around and he kisses it. Um, and, and when we go to bed at night, he's like, beer, beer, beer. Like, where's the beer? And I think about Oakley and how much I love him. And I think about how much he loves his kebia. And it makes me think about how God feels about us. We are God's special possession. And you might be here today and you're like, no, 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 Larissa, that's actually where you lose me. Eight billion people on the planet, there is no way that God could feel about me the same way that Oakley feels about that Kebia. And you're right, because He loves you more than that. Despite what you feel about yourself, there is actually a truth out there that is greater than what you might currently be feeling. You are God's treasured possession. There is a truth that trumps all the facts. And you might not, you might be sitting here being like, do you know what? I actually don't know that truth. And can I tell you that it's actually not what you know, it's who you know. And if you're sitting in this room today and you've never met Jesus, you've never encountered Him um, as a friend and as a saviour, or maybe you are sitting here and you, maybe you have, you have been walking with Jesus and for some reason or another, you've walked away. If that's you today, then before we do anything else, I actually just want to pray for you. And I want to give you the opportunity um, to meet Jesus because He's going to make you better. So could I get everyone to uh, close your eyes for me for a second? And if that's you here today, and as I've been speaking, you know that, that um, something's been stirring up in your spirit. Just close your eyes. This is, an, this is a really special, uh, special moment. If that's you and, and you're like, do you know what? I actually need to get right with Jesus. I don't want to do another year without, without His guidance in my life. Then right um, across this place, from the front to back, left to right, if that's you, then I'd love to invite you just to lift your hand. I'm going to see it. I'll acknowledge it. And then we're going to pray for you. But if that's you and you know that you want to get right with Jesus, you, you want to live life with His hope. Awesome. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else today? This is one of the single most great, the single greatest decision that you could make in your life. Awesome. Let's pray. And church, I want to invite you to pray with these people um, because we're a church that supports and encourages. And if that's you and you lift your hand tonight, uh, today, why don't you just um, pray this prayer from your heart. Repeat after me. God, I thank you that I am your special possession that before you laid the foundations of the earth, you were thinking of me. Today, God, I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. And I accept what you did for me on the cross. God, from today onwards, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. And I want to be your friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. 
Well, I'm just about finished, but before we do, could I just get everyone to stand? I'd love to pray for you all and just pray blessing over your 2019. Um, And when you leave this place today, I encourage you to just actually spend some time with God and say, God, you know, what is it that what is it that you're asking me to do? What's my what's my timber that needs to get rolled into the water? What do we need to get into momentum? Um, you know, set an action for 2019. Um, ask him what he's doing. Ask him if you can tag along. Um, and I'm going to pray for you that you would actually find God's rhythm this year. That you would discover the balance of being a finished work in progress. Is that cool? So God, right now, if it, why don't you just lift your hands, get ready to receive. God, I thank you for every single person in this place. I thank you for how much you love them. I thank you for what you've done for us, God, but I also thank you for what you're continuing to do in us. God, this year, we want to give it over to you. We want you to lead us, to shape us, to mould us, to make us better, God. And so I just pray that actually you would be, your voice would be so loud in our lives that we would be able to lean from you, God, that you would, you would grow us, you'd make us better, you'd make us more patient, more loving, more kind, more authentic, God. We don't want to just go through the motions of religion. We want to do relationship with you and we want to do it well. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that's happening by following us on social media 